0: This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. All right, guys. Welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I cannot believe it. My, my prayers have been answered. Jared Thatcher has got Wi-Fi and he is back. I've been waiting for this day for years. Before we get back to my brother, Jared Thatcher, I'm fucking so excited. I want to talk to you about a few of our sponsors. Number one is Broadbeck Ironworks. Broadbeck Ironworks is the, make, Broadbeck Ironworks is the makers of the 2x72 grinder. It's a, a great company and they make these beautiful machines. For knife makers, buy knife makers, but you don't have to be a knife maker. You can be a metal worker, woodworker, whatever it takes. And if you go to broadbackgroundworks.com, you can put in the promo code full uh knife talk 10 for 10 percent off all the grinders attachments and parts they have awesome attachments Uh, i use all the attachments and they're constantly making my life a lot easier so go check out what the boys over at broadbeck are doing and i am under the impression they're starting to make power hammers so get involved with that that going to be unbelievable but the guys at broadbeck do a lot for the maker community and if you're a maker and you're removing material use a broadbeck okay next is even heat manufacture the finest heat treat ovens available Go find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Check out what they have. For God's sakes, check out the tap control. Check out the solid state drive. They will, if you're making stainless steel, if you're making, if you're heat treating knives, if you're heat treating axes, anything with a sharp edge, Excuse even heat i'm begging you and the customer service unbelievable the machines are unbelievable and i stand behind them i love those guys the guys even Evenheat are fantastic the customer service is, is by far the best they go out of their way to make sure that you are happy and uh, i'm a huge huge fan of even heat so i want to thank even heat go check out evenheat kill.com check them out on, on instagram even here are the best. Thank you so much. Next is my friends at Nordic Edge. Nordic Edge is a company in Australia, and they are suppliers for blacksmiths, bladesmiths, knife makers. If you're making anything that, uh, you know, if you're forging, forging knives, go check out what they got going on. If you go to nordicedge.com.au, they have a wide assortment of tongs and hammers and all the things you're going to need for... Knife kits and knife supplies and whatever you need to get started or resupply. Do you want to figure this out? you want to say, you know what? I want to me a knife maker, but I'm not 100% sure if I'm ready to go. Go check out what they got going on at Nordic Edge if you're in Australia uh, and check out the classes that they have. They also have these great uh, tang hole saws and they have bevel jigs. They also have the big MERT file guide, among other things. They're a huge part of the Australian knife making community, which is unbelievable. The knife makers in Australia are unbelievable. And you should definitely go check out nordicedge.com.au. Next! Up in Canada, my boy Lawrence Lake is making it happen. He's down at the New England School of Metalwork right now enjoying the education of knife making. You know why? Because Maritime Knife Supply wants to make sure that they have everything you need to get started or resupplied as a knife maker belts, abrasive steel's kilns, forges, presses, heat-treating ovens, anvils, anything you need to get started or resupplied. They are in Canada, but they ship to the United States with these Definitely take advantage of this uh, exchange rate. Their sk- steel selection is growing, and Lawrence has got a pile of steel in all different shapes and sizes. Uh, if you go to Mar- uh, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com or MaritimeKnifeSupply.ca, you can get a 10-pack of, of abrasive belts for 10% off. You get 10% off. You get the pack of 10, so that's really good. Uh, uh, they are also the, the they are also they are also the sponsoring the Great Lakes Custom Knife Show uh, Saturday, August 19th in Ontario. It's Canada's largest knife show, created. Located on the picturesque shores Shores Lake Huron. So go check out what's going on over at the Great Lakes Custom Knife Show or visit greatlakescustomknifeshow.com for more information. All right. Lawrence, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. I appreciate you. Next are... My friends at Trojan Horse Forge. You know who Trojan, Force, Trojan Horse Forge are? That's Sam Evans and Jeff Graz. That's Sam Evans. Sam Evans. Don't forget it, ladies and gentlemen. They're the makers of the Stable Rail Knife Finishing Vice. Their their vices are built in the heart of Texas. They're designed to take your handle finishing to a whole new level, and I'm appreciative of the fact that they are back with the Full Blast Podcast. I love my Stable Rail Knife Finishing vices, and the attachments allow you to have maximum stability when you're hand sanding rubber plates and clamps and brackets and all sorts of things to keep you squared away if you got an integral bolster you got a distal taper you got a curve knife whatever you want don't worry about that it can it, it it conforms to any compound bevels it for it conforms to curves whatever you need integrals no problem if you have a if you got a, um, a file guide on there it'll conform to that too so go check out what's going on over trojanhorseforge.com they have also, they have payment plans available. So if you're you worry someone's checking their credit card bill, give them the credit, give them the old, give them the old payment plan. And no, 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 nothing. Uh, but however, no one has ever said. And I've been, I've been fans of trojan horse for a long time no one has ever said this is not worth the money it has always been i'm so glad i got this i'm hand sanding and finishing my handles with ease so thank you once again sam and jeff i really appreciate you trojanhorseforge.com you put in the promo code full blast you get free shipping in the united states how good is that really good next are my friends at Baker Forge and Tool, that's bakerforge.com. They are the makers of high-quality, beautifully crafted Damascus materials to take your creations to a whole nother level. Baker Forge and Tool is dedicated to producing top-of-the-line pattern-welded steels and materials for knife makers using advanced techniques that only the finest steels. They create laminated patterns using copper, bronze, resulting in virtually stunning one-of-a-kind steels for your customers will go crazy for. Some of the stuff they make, copper, my, bronze, my, tiger, my, any my, whatever my you want, they got you covered and it will be beautiful. Every time they make it, it's always repeatable. I've never once had a problem with inclusions or problems. If you did, God forbid, they're awesome customer service. If you want to make something that's going to stand out, go get yourself some of that Baker Forge deal. And, uh, and if you need someone to etch it with, go f- check out their etchant. They got that new etchant called Gator Piss. Ladies and gentlemen, it's called Gator Piss. But it is serious business. The name might not sound serious, but it is serious as hell. Gator Piss is, is already pre-mixed ferric chloride, ready to go. You'll be shocked. You will be shocked how good it works. And if you go to biggerforge.com and the, put in the promo code full Blast, you're going to get 10% off. And if you are in the EU, my boys over at diyeurope.eu are the only ones who have the ability to ship and sell uh gator piss all over europe so don't worry about that gator is short for alligator piss is short for urine get yourself some of the best the best etching on the market uh you can't you can't beat it you can't beat it bakerforge.com Baker Forge and Tool on instagram go follow those guys these guys are awesome and they're a lot of fun on instagram and you should definitely check out what you got full blast gets you 10 at your at the at the final uh at your, when you check out Next are my friends at TotalBoat, TotalBoat.com, makers of paints, (laughs) makers of adhesive paints, primers, polishing compounds for boaters and DIYers understanding your projects need to go smoothly. They're constantly finding a way to to ways to make their products easier to use with great systems. I love their pump systems. A lot of bakers are using it for like river tables and like casting things. But I'm actually using their two-part epoxy for uh, all my laminating, all my laminating my scales, and I can't, I cannot say. I'm very, very impressed with it. I've talked to them. You know, look, it's to keep your boat afloat. So what's so good? What's so bad about that? So go get yourself some of that Total Boat two part epoxy. And if you go to totalboat.com/fullblast, that's the affiliate code that helps me out and it helps the podcast out. And look, look, if it's good enough for Keith, Deason, Derek from Alden, Keith Johnson, uh, Keith Mitchell, and even old Jimmy D'Arresta is good enough for you. So definitely check out totalboat.com/fullblast. All these the codes and all that stuff's in the show notes to wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, next are my friends GL Hansen Sons. That's G.L. underscore Hanson Sons. They're makers of G carta, which is a unique uh, composite of natural fibers, fabrics, and mixed epoxy under under pressure and heat, it's all stuff is awesome. If you go to, you can check it out. If you go to gl uh, at gl Hanson and Sons uh, on Instagram, it's g dot l dot underscore Hanson and Sons on Instagram, and if you go to gcarta.bigcartel.com he's selling all this beautiful stuff it's basically like i to describe it it's like cross-cut micarta but like all the fabrics are different colors and they're different shapes and they look really cool uh some of the uh patterns they have are bofa ripple cut tuxedo by Mikey, Mahi Mahi, Radio Worm Gicarta, Pheasant by Mikey, Colorama by Mikey, and Hoopla by Mikey. And they were nice enough to ask me if I'd want to name a variant of the Hoopla, which I did. I named it uh, Electric Fuzz. It looks awesome. And they got great stuff. And if you want something with a little bit of special special on your handle, get yourself some of that Gicarta from um, GL Sons. Go check, out, check it out over at um, Big Car... Uh, what was it? What did I say it was? carta at when I had it for a second. Okay. It's uh it's uh com And last but not least, I have to thank my friends at Tormac. Tormac are the makers of really one of the great uh sharpening systems of all time. I had one for a long time. It took me a long time to get used to it, and now the reason why I didn't like it is operator error. I wasn't using it correctly, and uh now I have a few of them and I love them. I love tormec it's changed the way i, I sharpen my knives uh, water cooled it's the maximum amount of speed efficiency without taking too much material off uh, but they have jigs you don't have to use the jigs i would highly suggest checking out what they have the tormec go to tormec.com tormec underscore sharpening uh, on instagram uh, i just got the black uh, t8 sharpener which i love and they sent me one of the the diamond stone the diamond stone wheels where you don't have to dress it that thing is unbelievable that that thing is really r- ridiculous I I'm a huge fan and I really want to appreciate uh, my friends over at Tormac. so thank you once again and then the last thing I have to talk to you guys about is in a couple of weeks I'm going to have my good my good friend Bob Rankin going to be on and Bob Rankin's got an event that he's doing a raffle I don't normally do these raffles but Bob Rankin is very important I just want to read what's going on. They're going to be raffling off two knives a k-tip and a santuco to support bob rankin and the economic impact of losing his son his son committed suicide Uh, he was an eight-year u.s navy veteran um, and some of the steel from the knives will be uh, tower two steel from 9-11 will be in the damascus and the pins are going to be forged off the us uh, from steel from the uss eisenhower uh, the material has white oak planted by George Washington. I mean, you can't. I mean, you, know, you can't get much more American than this. You got 9-11 steel. You got Eisenhower steel, and you got a tree that was planted by George Washington. Uh, all certified, documented, and then the video will be up on Dennis Tyrell's YouTube cha- channel. Definitely check out Dennis Tyrell. Um, and then you can enter by purchasing a sticker off Bob Rankin's website. It's BobRankinCustomKnives.com. I'll have it in the show notes. And we're going to have Bob on. He's been through it, man. He has been through it. And if you're a knife maker and you know Bob, you know that I buy my steel from Bob. I've been talking about Bob for years. Bob, I bought Bob Damascus off Bob. And I don't know what he's going through, but in a couple of weeks, we're going to find out. Uh, he wants to come on and tell his story and talk about his son, and we're going to take care of him. So go definitely check out BobRankinCustomKnives.com and... And um, this raffle will be going on through the 31st of August. So do yourself a favor. Do me a favor. If You don't want to buy it. You don't want to use the promo codes. Don't use the promo codes. Go go help out my boy over. Bob. I don't ask for much. Go buy some stickers from Bob. Bob's just uh, going through it. And he's a friend. And um, I appreciate Bob very much. So check out BobRankinCustomKnives.com and see what's going on. All right, guys, listen. I have been waiting. I have been waiting for years to get back my friend jared thatcher jared thatcher of boot hill blades he's also he and his wife run uh, three daughters farm and now he has been blowing my mind in last year with tdf kennels tdf gun dogs jared thatcher thank you so much for coming back
1: Man, it's so nice to be back on Knife Talk. Thank you for inviting me, <laughs> Jared.
0: man Actually, you were yeah. our first when 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 Mareko and I were first on. You were our first interview. Did That's you know right. That, that oh, was yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. You were sitting <sighs> yeah, in your car. Great. You were sitting in your. <sighs> you were sitting. I tell you, I remember because you were sitting in your pickup truck outside a, a McDonald's or a Starbucks or something. And then, and then you were sitting in the cab trying to glom onto their Wi-Fi because you don't have any Wi-Fi in, in yep. your town. We had a good yeah, time. Yeah, and,
1: and remember Marekko ended up dropping signal and it <sighs> ended up being just me and you after, we had, after you could hear the barista in the background grinding right. coffee beans or That's something. Right. and
0: That's when I a, used to record in my closet. I used to record yeah. in my closet. I was, I was, and now I'm still in my car. But I listen. No, not, dude.
1: Now you're big time. Now you're big time. I saw the blue check mark. You're verified. I'm very. I'm just
0: humbled to be here with Jared, you, Jared. Jared, who who who? who <laughs> let's cut the shit. You know I'm paying. I'm paying. I don't. I do not i I have no shame in the game. I'm paying. Here's the funny thing about this goddamn blue check mark. So Instagram changed their. You know you can't count on them. I mean they're going to change the game every five minutes, and you know, they were like, Hey, listen, we want to offer you money to, to make reels. And I'm thinking, well, if I'm going to do something, I might as well do something if they're trying to, so I was making about 120 bucks a month with, uh, doing the reels. And I wasn't really going very hard in the paint, but I was just like, ah, you know what? So they said, Hey, listen, we're going to offer you, uh, the blue check mark for $15 a month. And I'm thinking to myself, no problem. They're paying me 125 bucks a month, $15 less. What do I care? You know, that's right. And then, as soon as I got the blue check mark, they're like, "Oh yeah, by the way, we're not paying anymore for reels." Like,
1: fuckers. That's right. Yeah, so. I saw it. I saw it come through, and I thought, "Wait, fifteen dollars a month? Man. What kind of freaking money grab is this?" But yet, so many dog trainers and knife makers and everybody I follow is buying the blue check mark. I was like, ah, "That thing's gonna need to be free for me."
0: It's, you know what? It's so hard. the knife. Ga- you know what? The weird thing is, is the knife game is tough. Because the only knife makers who didn't have to pay are in Europe, like yeah. uh, Tomer Florentine Kitchen Knives got it. He applied. He listened to Knife Talk. And we were talking about it. Fingal Ferguson and Florentine both. They both were listening to our podcast, and then they applied and they immediately got it immediately. And they thanked what us, the but heck? it was like it wasn't like that much. But then all of us schmo, you know, ham and eggers here in the United States, we we, we didn't matter, so we couldn't pay. They're not going to let knife makers get them. I'm I'm guaranteeing it.
1: No, it, they they hate our content. Like it's the ones who are successful and actually have their content boosted by Instagram is amazing because they cannot stand our content. <laughs>
0: The weird, the weird thing is, and this is something that we've been kind of going back and forth on this podcast in a knife talk is there's something kind of, I think most knife makers have the wrong impression of what's going on, and a lot of them you hear shadow ban and you hear that it's like this conspiracy against knife makers and gun people, and it's not really the case. So just to give you the idea, there's this thing, there's this thing called Section 230, and what it is is I think it's I'm pretty sure it's 230, and basically it's part of uh, the Communications Act or something like that where. You cannot sue third party apps for content that people put on it. Like you can't sue YouTube if, you know, you decide to do something that's like, you know, like something offensive that can hurt people or illegal. Like they're not responsible. So Section 230 uh, protects them. Same thing with Instagram. All that. Well, it turns out that there was this thing called Google versus Gonzalez and the Gonzalez family had a kid who was in France who was killed from ISIS. And they made the point that the person who was in ISIS was recruited through YouTube. And, while well, you say, all right, well, 230 doesn't really do anything except for the fact that the algorithm promoted, if you like that video, maybe you like this video. And then mm. what they were contending is, is when the algorithms recommend something, That is no longer protected under Section 230. So all these third-party companies are having to self-police because they're just afraid of, you know, maybe some really good lawyer will figure out a way to sue us, and they just can't get involved with that. So I think that I think that what happens is 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 less about the content and more about protecting their own asses from being sued.
1: Yeah, and it's just blanket, right? Like knives, just knives. You know what I mean? Or guns. It's like it's very blanket and. As much as you try to call or email Facebook or Meta or Instagram, you will never reach a person like you just you can't. So if I can't do that, I know no one's sitting there saying, well, you know what? This is a chef knife. So we're going to let this one slide. You know, it's just a blanket thing.
0: I had uh, Aaron Goff on, and he's a guy's a super smart guy, and he, what he's saying is AI doesn't really exist. It's referred to as in the computer game is really what it is is it's deep learning software. So it's constantly like trying to get better, but it's just not quite there to kind of discern different things. Like you can actually look to see if you're if you're you can look if you go to your in, in your Instagram account, you can go to your account and then settings and then your account and status. and It'll tell you if you if, if it found something that has um, that would make them not want to. Promote you at all in the algorithm, and then you can have the ability to take it off or not. They had some dumb stuff of mine that was just like the algorithm found something, and and I got rid of it. And next thing you know, I had a little bit more of a push. But
1: yeah, you know, you're okay. But
0: hmm. the problem, the problem with all this stuff is, is like you're at the whim of, you're at the whim of of uh, the, 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 the the wind blows and they change the rules. You know, that's the right. problem that makes it kind of difficult.
1: You know. Yeah, it's so fast moving too, but anyway.
0: But speaking of speaking, you know, I when I talk, when I when I mention the people I look up to in the knife game or in the just the business game, you're always on that. When I have a list of five guys, you're that you're in there. I, I talk about you all the time, and a lot of it's because you have a long history in finance, you have a long history in your smart guy, and I always feel as though all the decisions that you've made have been long game decisions. Boot Hill hmm. Blades has been unbelievable. It's still going strong. And you're like, you, you know, you do your you need a newsletter and then and everything sells out. No problem, 100%. percent you figured out this, the three daughters farm. You have this, you know, when I say long game, I'm fascinated by you as a farmer and, a, and an agricultural because you're taking these like calculated risks on the animals that you're raising. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's Uh, I mean, the worst thing is a disease, you know, comes out and wipes out everything you have, grapes, sheep, whatever you have. Um, So, and nothing is instant. Nothing produces right away. You're exactly right. It's a long game. I'm like, all right, I'm going to pay this off in three, five years, you know, or or whatever.
0: That's the one thing I remember you and I talked about when you started to raise lambs. And I thought to myself, I'm like, well, he's got a... He's got to have the sheep, and then the sheep have to have babies, and then they're gonna to have to birth the babies, and then they're gonna to have to raise the babies. This is like a everything is this seasonal thing where you don't you don't really see the outcome until months at, at, down the line. And what it shows me is this like degree of like you have a game plan, and then you got to stick to the game plan, and then if it comes through, the game plan worked.
1: Yeah, and I write down. I write down a long, big business plan for everything. You know, like my father always taught me how to have, uh, you know, a, a three-month, six-month goal, to a year, two years, five years. So I have that for everything, like and and I try to specify, I try to get super specific, even down to like followers on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, whatever it is. I try to even put those numbers in there. In six months, I want to have X amount of followers and interaction. In six months, I want to have sold this, whatever it is. But I build it all out and I, it's probably super annoying to those people around me, but it's all I talk about for however long I need to continually convince myself as I go that we're going to make it there and we're going to make it there. And by talking to other people, a lot of times it creates some sort of relationship with somebody who's like, oh, I can actually help you out with that. And now they're selling something I make or whatever, you know, and so I just continue like, I don't know, bringing it to fruition by talking about it with everybody.
0: The bringing it to fruition was, I was thinking of, I mean, look, we're friends. I mean, I love talking to you and just off, off the air and everything like that. And I really appreciate your, your mindset. But everything, coming to fruition just seems like it's so, so correct because, you know, the knife-making game is interesting because, like, it might take you a while to get to the place that you're at. Like, it might take a while to kind of understand the forging and the heat treating and the grinding and the putting things together. But now, like, if you wanted to knock out a knife for tomorrow, you could cough it up. Right, from from really from nothing, but everything else. I mean, what it took to get there was so years and years and years of, of of work. What's interesting to me is, I feel as though. TDF Kennels, which is, I finally figured out that it's Three Daughters Farms. It took me a, took me a year. Ah. I literally was just like, I wonder what that stands for. I wonder what TDF Kennels for. I'm just like, God damn it, it means something. It's not his last name. It's not his first name. And then I'm looking at Three Daughters Farms. I'm like, okay, there we go. It only took me a year to figure that out. Fine. Listen, I'm not, I'm not a, I don't pl- claim to be smart, but I'm honest. You know? That's, That's the right. To, so... TDF Kennels is uh you're 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 raising these British gun dogs. Yep, that's right. How and, did this start?
1: Okay, so first of all, TDF Kennels, we named it that for the specific reason that the way my businesses are currently set up is Boot Hill Blades owns Three Daughters Farm and Vineyard. So Boot Hill Blades LLC owns uh, three daughters farm and vineyard LLC. So I only have to do one tax return. Cause down here it's like, I don't know, $800 per tax return, you know, business tax return, right. something like that. So that one owns that one. And then uh, three daughters farm owns TDF kennels. So I just set it up in a vertical stack like that to, um, my father's a CPA and, and that's kind of how he told me. So, so it all flows up. Um, but if you want to know the true backstory to TDF Kennels, yeah. it starts. It starts with a little yellow Labrador named Buddy that we adopted from our local um, rescue shelter three and a half years ago. And you've never seen him because he doesn't. He's not here anymore. Um, my, I saw him on their Facebook page one day, and I had my chocolate lab bear, and I thought, you know what? Bear could use a friend. He could I use remember a buddy. Bear, by the
0: way. I oh, definitely yeah, Bear. remember Bear. I remember okay. Bear chasing one of the lam- one of the sheep. Oh. Kylie's <laughs> and the Kylie and the sheep, and then Bear running after. Her. I know all about Bear. Bear's the mayor. He's
1: the he's the real mayor.
0: I right. caught
1: him running down Main Street yeah. a couple years ago with three raw chicken breasts in his mouth.
0: I think I remember that story too. I, I, <laughs> I hate, hate to. Re- I hate to. Re- okay, so so I hate so, that so dog. Golden- all right, well, fine, I, gotta, I can trade, i I trade, trade your bear for, for something, yeah. trust me. Go ahead, so the, the, the Golden Lab. So,
1: so this little yellow lab had been left in a cage in the middle of a cornfield behind our local Walmart, and they heard it barking or whatever, the employees went and got him, took him to the rescue. He was mangy, he looked like absolute hell. And I saw him on Facebook, though, and I thought, oh, this is beautiful dog. In the picture, he looked great uh, in the picture. So I kind of got catfished. Um, they said he's going to be available next Thursday, be here at 9am sharp if you want him. So I loaded up the first mistake. I loaded up my kids, Berkeley and Remy. And, uh, I said, let's go down to the shelter. We went down there. Uh, we were the first ones in line at nine o'clock, walked in and the dog that I saw literally looked like a chupacabra. There was patches <laughs> of hair missing, He was so skinny; his teeth were showing. I was like, "Oh no!" And my daughter was one of my my youngest daughter was probably six at the time. She walked right up to that mangy dog and like wrapped her arms around his neck and was like, "He's perfect."
0: (laughs) It's like,
1: "Oh no!" So you know, eighty four bucks, eighty four dollars to rescue a dog. Done, eighty four dollars. You know, write the check get him in the truck with me. There's just hair falling out everywhere in the truck. We put the windows down, which was a bad idea. And it just blew dog hair all over my girls in the back in their car seats. Um, so I get, I'm like, what are we going to call him? And they just kept calling him buddy. And they were like, his name's going to be buddy. I like, Oh gosh, my wife's looking at me like, this is such a bad idea. And I'm like, I know. So I, uh, we get all this medicine. We take him to the vet, get him all worked up, get all this medicine, get his hair growing back. About three and a half to four weeks later, he's turning into a really nice little dog, putting on weight. And it's like he knew, it's going to sound so crazy, but it truly is like he knew I was the one that walked in and got him out of the shelter or out of whatever situation he was in because that dog was stuck to me like glue. I mean, he just, everything, he he was my little buddy. And so even though I kind of got him for the kids and for Bear, he just wouldn't leave me alone. And so he'd sit right next to me all the time. I did not train him though. So he had zero training. It was four weeks. I was just getting him used to us and used to the house. And I had a 1997 white Chevy Dually truck. And I went to leave the house one day and he was running alongside the truck and I didn't know he was there. Oh no. And I, he stopped at the end of the driveway and I hit him with that second back wheel on the driver's side, right over him. And I heard him, I had windows down and I heard him yelp. And as soon as I looked in my rearview mirror, I could see him dragging himself away by his front legs, basically like crawling, drag. And I slammed on the brakes, jumped out of the truck and ran over to him. And I was like, oh, I broke his back legs. You know, i this is terrible or whatever. I get to him. He's drug himself to one of my fence posts over to it. And I get to him and I lift up his head and I like turn him toward me. And I've got one hand on his body, one on his head and he coughs. And when he coughs, it just shot blood out of his nose and mouth all, all over, all over me, all over everything. And I was like, uh, this is not broken legs. This is really, really bad. So I picked him up. I put him in the back of the truck and <clears throat> I drove him back to one of our back pastures and um, grabbed a little handgun that I had. We were not going to make it to the vet. He wasn't going to make it in time. And I ended up just putting him down uh, myself. And I cried for three hours digging a big hole in the yard. Um, mm. And I put him in, I told Kylie, I said, keep the girls inside. Don't, I was actually heading to a mayor's meeting that ended up missing. And um, I said, "Keep him inside. Don't let him come out." When I finally got him buried, the girls came out. And Berkeley was crying and said, "You killed Buddy." And oh, Jesus Christ! And I was like, "Ah, oh, you're kidding me." And I was—I was—I was already feeling bad enough. And I am not kidding you. I am—I am not a super animal person. Like I just don't—I don't know. I don't have that gene in me, or whatever it is. Of course, you just killed your dog.
0: I'm just yeah. Kidding. I'm just kidding. kicking right. Sorry, You're right. I just I had to change so, it up a little bit, Jared. Jesus. One of my one of my <laughs> boys
1: one of my buddies literally text me that the next day. But I'm telling you, for three days, I felt so bad because it was it was my fault and I should have I should have done what I normally do. I should have trained the dog. I should have done the things I didn't, but I hadn't. I had neglected it. And that's what happened. And so um So one of my friends uh, that used to be a dog trainer, a hunting dog trainer, he knew about the story and he called me up and he was like, hey, uh, I'm going to go see this litter of puppies. Let's, I want you to come with me. And I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm not going. I I don't, I don't need to do that. And he was like, "I just come on, ride with me. Come on down. So I told him no again. And the next day he called me. He's like, come into the house. So he picked me up. We drove down to Nashville and uh, it was a litter of British Labradors, which I had not known anything about. and he had told the owner of this kennel, uh probably a 70-year-old man, my what had happened to my story and he put his arm around me and he said, "Son, you need to get back on the horse. And you you have pick of the litter. In this litter if you want it, you've got pick of the litter and I'm going to discount the price. And these dogs were anywhere from 2000 to 2500 a puppy and um so he ended up selling me one for 1500 was the discounted price, which I was still like, holy crap, right? It's insane <laughs> Jeez. Uh, for a dog. You dragged, yeah, costs- you dragged me down this
0: place. You drag me down this place. You're yeah. forcing me to buy a dog and you're, you're yeah. holding me hostage. $1,500. <laughs> yeah. The last one cost me 84 <laughs> yeah. Like, what happened? Uh. So, so he
1: drags me down there. And so I'm like, nah. So I think about it for a couple of days. And really what happened was I came to this mindset where I said, all right, you know what? I owe it to myself to get another one and to train it. But more importantly, I owe it to Buddy to get another one and train it correctly and do the right things. So two weeks later I drove back down there. Uh, and the guy said, what do you want a male or a female? I said, I don't, I don't know. And he said, are you going to hunt geese? Do you hunt geese? I said, absolutely. And he said, you want a male? They're a little bigger and they can carry geese better. And, uh, I said, okay. And I reached down and I picked up one puppy, held it up and it was a female. I reached down and picked up the next one, held it up. It was a male. And now that, is our number 1 stud dog red that we have.
0: What? Wow. So this cuz I know all about red, red pepper pearl tanis, I know all yep. about him. So at what point are you thinking to yourself, all right, I'm going to adopt this dog and I'm going to learn how to tro- properly train it.
1: So we as soon as I got him, um I had trained gun dogs Back in the day, I always had a gun dog oh. when I was a kid. Like I had, you know, a Rottweiler German Shepherd mix from the shelter when I was a little kid that I thought was going to hunt rabbits for me and all of this. And right when I got out of the military, I bought a chocolate lab female and I trained her to be a duck dog when I was living in Texas. And she went duck hunting one time and I never went again. So I was a little bit familiar with the practice and how to do it. And so I said, you know, I'm just going to start with obedience on this dog, and if he likes retrieving, we'll continue to go farther. Well, if you go on TDF Kennel's Instagram or Facebook page, you'll see that that red dog is an absolute beast, and he is my inside dog, which you'd never, you'd never guess by how crazy he is out in the field. Um, But he is my inside dog, and so he just turned out to be awesome, and one of my neighbors fell off of his porch, had a stroke, and fell off his porch and injured himself pretty badly. And so he had four gun dogs that he was like, "I need somebody else to take them. Will you take two of them, Jared?" And these are upland style flush and pointing bird dogs. And I said, "Yeah, sure, I'll take two of them, and I'll I'll build this little kennel." So I built this kennel back here just to to take his dogs in for him.
0: Now you and, weren't planning on selling him at this point or, or like no. this wasn't planning on, this wasn't yep. p- planning on being a business. You're going to help the guy out.
1: Correct. I was just going to help the guy out. Two pointing dogs. I don't even run pointing dogs. Um, I've hunted over him a couple of times and it was fun, but just to help my buddy out. And uh, I said, yes, yeah, sure. I'll take them. So I built this kennel. And as I was building the kennel, I was like, I'm only building two kennels, but it's really big enough for four back here on the back side of the farm. I'm just going to build four and kind of see what happens. And when I built the four and they were sitting there empty, I was like, I got to do something. And that is where we started talking about getting puppies. And that's where Pepper and Pearl came in. And I said, okay, you know what? This is going to be red has turned out very nicely. We used to go to hunt tests and all this kind of stuff. Um, I think I can actually do this just on a small, smaller scale. Started posting you know, just some videos on Instagram or whatnot. And, and it just kind of took off. And I was like, no, we can do this for real. Like this is going to be a thing. But more importantly, this business is scalable. Knife making for me is very difficult to scale up. Like I'm, I'm the one who needs to forge it kind of. I'm also the one who needs to finish grind it kind of. Right. I, my, the way I do things is slightly different. Production wise, I'd have to set up a whole separate production wing. It's not scalable for me. I don't think, um, dog training and breeding is very scalable. I can hire the 15 year old kid down the street to come wash out kennels and give me time to train or whatever, you know, I can have another guy teaching the dog how to walk next to you or sit or heal while I do the more, the other stuff that is more technical
0: It's interesting because I was thinking about... All of it. I was thinking about. I love. By the way, if you're not following at TDF Kennels, you're making a huge mistake. It, Jared's unbelievable, and the hilarious thing is, is you were always very good on Instagram stories at Boot Hill Blades. You had this long stretch where, especially when <laughs> Kylie would go away, and then you would f- <laughs> fuck around, and you'd be like, I don't know what this is, or I don't know what happened, or I, I decided to drink a bottle of whiskey. Or, you were awesome. <laughs> you were always so good on it, and and transferring over to TDF kennels it's so amazing watching your videos on how you train these dogs and in my mind I'm thinking how, the hell does, how the hell does Jared know how to do this because it's I have two dogs one of them is extraordinarily good the other one's horrible and I know <laughs> that like it's not training I know some of these dogs are just like <laughs> lemons it's fine whatever you know you, you know when I was a kid my parent my sister said to me when you adopt an animal it's yours for good you don't get yeah. rid of them. It's that's you. Even if it's a lemon, you're responsible for this animal. So I we don't we don't we're we're very strongly about that. But it's like it is amazing how some dogs are extraordinary and some dogs are mediocre. What do you
1: call that dog you have, Werewolf, or yeah. what do you call that one? Well, yeah, the one that Sunday, stands on that's the fence. The,
0: yeah, that's, she's like yeah, she's a witch. She's, she used to be so shredded and she would stand on her hind legs and look like this deranged werewolf. It was it was crazy, but she's this giant pain in the ass. However, you know, look, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? That's right. But I'm. A, it's awesome watching you do it. And I, I wonder, I, part of me was wondering when you were raising the, the lambs and the sheep and the chickens and everything like that, I wonder if – if you didn't have that, if you didn't have the farm, if you didn't have raise the livestock, do you think you would have the ability to do this, the dogs as well? Probably not.
1: Um, yeah. Number one, I wouldn't have the space. Um, in fact, I have a guy out there on a dozer right now digging me a new pond. Um, that is, it, It's kind of all led to this, is what I should say. So we're actually pulling back a little bit on the grapes. We've tore out. 50 or 80 grapevines to make some more dog training space um we sold off a little chunk of the the sheep farm essentially uh a little chunk of the sheep and the flock that we had we sold off some of those uh but when that's where that's really going to come in is when we start having puppies because we have now birthed 200, 300 lambs. Probably, uh, we've seen it all. We've seen yeah. birth birth defects, scary things, insides coming outsides, all kinds of crazy stuff that you kind of just have to keep your head about you and and make sure you actually get it done and that everything lives. And I think that is going to really come in. That's where that's going to be Kylie's focus. I hope because she's so so good at that. You know, so good. I mean, we have only lost. The average um, death rate when you birth lambs can be anywhere from like sixty to seventy percent. Or uh, I'm sorry, that live that live. Oh, so it's okay. like thirty or forty. Sorry that that die. Um, we usually only lose one to two a year, wow. and that's because it, she's super hands on, like there for everything, warming them back up. I had one that lived in my house for two weeks this past um, lambing season in a box in the house to stay warm and whatnot. So, so yeah, that that whole. Um, slower and setting things up, learning how to build things, learning how to deal with animals. All of that is big time coming to fruition right now with TDF kennels. And I'm hoping, uh, I mean, Hill Blades is still full force. That's still our main gig. That's still my main thing. I'm hoping that t- this TDF kennels is just another fun thing. Keep me engaged Um, Keep me pushing towards something, and I tell I tell people this all the time. But and I don't exactly know how to explain it. But I am a much better father and husband when I am challenging myself on a daily basis to push towards something. If I get stagnant, if I get stagnant, and I just kind of doing the same thing every day, it it shifts my focus to things that it shouldn't. And maybe I'm a little too hard on the kids, a little too hard on the wife. You know that that kind of idea. So. This is just one of those extra things that I'm just like, let's just push into this. It's keeping me engaged every day and keeping me pushing in a direction that's positive.
0: Well, it's, but it seems as though you, you get instant, you get daily satisfaction with the dogs. Like you, you're you're making, you're making steps every day, these incremental steps. And you, you get what I was trying to think about this morning is the connection between it all. And the cool thing about knife making is, the proof is in the pudding. At the end of the game, the, the, you, you, whatever, you learn about heat treatment, you learn about forging, you learn about all the handles and all this stuff. If your customer likes it and they're using it and it works, that's, you've done your job. And with the dogs it's kind of the same thing where you're training the dogs to do a very specific task and the proof is in the pudding. You like, if it's doing the right thing and it's sitting, when you say to sit and then you shoot off one of those things and then it doesn't move. And then you say pepper and then pepper runs off and gets what he's supposed to come back. And those are, that's like this incredible, it has to be very gratifying to see that the, the, dedication and then the 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 discipline that you've done with you and the dogs is paying off
1: oh and it's so much slower than knife making but it's it's the exact same pro- you know i'm all about processes i think yeah. that's really what i just break down to like just put that on my grave just write processes on it because that's what it's going to be like you cannot skip a step in knife making or that end product will not end up correctly you, ha- yeah. you need to have those steps in order and the little building blocks that we're building up these dogs on, I I got a call from a friend this morning right before this podcast that said um, he decided to just shoot a 12-gauge shotgun over the top of his dog today. And he said his dog jumped up in the air and basically butted heads with him. He jumped that high and then ran through a barbed wire fence. And I said, I have told you a hundred times, you freaking idiot, you you cannot just shoot it right over it takes two weeks of building that dog up to getting closer to it with gunfire closer to it until they trust you with it and they know that sound isn't scary until they know that sound is something exciting about to happen and he just freaking launched it right and, and that it almost feels like that's just forging your knife and then just heat treating it without pre-grinding it without you know what i mean or, or whatever yeah if it yeah. feels like that i'm like you can't skip man you're I hope you didn't ruin that dog but you know you cannot skip these little steps. So last year I had a absolute proud parent moment like what you're exactly what you're saying when you think see things come to fruition it's so slow with dogs it's such a daily slow training thing. It's hard to see whenever they finally do something. Last year I had um a 6-month old dog Pepper, a little black lab Pepper out and I launched off one of those hand launcher things Um, And I was right next to the road, the hand, the dummy that came off the hand launcher went about a hundred yards, came down, hit the top of a hill and bounced over my fence, took a total right-hand turn, bounced over the fence into the middle of the street. Luckily that street is not busy. It's just a country road, but I was like, Oh shoot. She saw it, knew where it went and now she can't get it because it's on the other side of the fence. What do I do if I don't send her and I go pick it up? It's like a failure. Like she finally sat and paid attention. If I send her and she can't get it, it's a failure. I thought, all right, you know what? I'm going to send her. If she gets stuck at the fence looking at it, I'll let her out a gate. She can go get it. So I sent her. She runs directly down the fence line for that hundred yards. Stops in front of the fence and looks at it on the other side of the road. She looks back at me and then looks to her left takes off running, goes through a hole in the fence, probably 30 yards down, runs back down the road, grabs the dummy, comes all the way back through that hole that I don't know how she knew it was there, and then brings it back to me. And I was, I called everybody I knew. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. This little dog just put everything together, and I watched her think through that process. She thought through it, which is so cool to see.
0: That's unbelievable. I mean, that's that's the thing, it's, that's the, I remember when I learned how to teach the dogs, how to sit and shake. I literally thought I was like Caesar, or whatever his face is. Like I thought I was like, I thought I was like, I can train this dog to, to, you know, do whatever. No problem. Nah, that's all I got. That's all I got. I, I hate, it just reminded me, I hate to, I hate to be, do a, you know what you should do? Cause that's just like the worst. You got to teach us Northerners how to get our dogs trained for fucking fireworks. If you did a video, I tell you what, if you do a reel, if you do a reel oh. training northerners how to deal with their dogs and the fireworks, that will be your million, that will be your million reel, million view reel. Because we're like I'm, fucking crazy. We have no idea what the fuck to do.
1: July 4th, I had, a re- I had a story going that I ended up deleting because exactly what I said was, if your dog is afraid of fireworks, you don't have a dog, go buy a real fucking dog.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, thanks. Well, then all of us, you got gerbils up here, yeah, but if you can right. figure out a way that you got to figure out a I way know. to train us all. Cause I mean, my dogs get, my dogs get, get depressed. I mean, they get scared, real yeah, scared Totally. And up here in New York. All the, all the dog owners are just like, our dogs are like a wreck.
1: You know what I think it more, I, I think it's less, and I don't know this to be true, but I think it's almost less the sound. I think it's the percussion. Do you know that percussion where you can feel it almost? Yes, you can feel it in your chest. I swear that that's actually what the dogs are more afraid of is that than the sound because they hear loud sounds all the time construction, a house being built next door, weird stuff like that. I swear it's the percussion. But man, if I ever figure that out, I'm going to be a rich, rich man because you're exactly right.
0: I'm telling you, if you did a reel and here's what you do. (laughs) <laughs> you would be like I mean you would blow the doors off that Caesar whatever his face is blow so the doors you doors know off. Them.
1: all the dogs like none of my dogs are of course afraid of fireworks because they're used to gunfire right next to them they don't even flinch when yeah, I see even... the
0: videos they don't even fucking flinch when you shoot I'm, those wearing, I'm wearing I'm wearing
1: earplugs I'm wearing earplugs when I'm shooting that off because it's so loud, it'll deafen you. Like, it is yeah. very loud. And people hate it. You should see the Facebook comments. They're like, you're ruining your dog. The hearing's gonna <laughs> be bad blah, bad, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's so great. Uh, I had one guy just uh, mess or just comment on one of my Facebook videos and said, um, uh, I hope you die, you piece of shit. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. To you? Yeah, yeah. they get what? crazy, man. Just training a dog, Tra- having training Tannis, having fun. And... Uh, and then one person said, "Why don't you go pick up the dummy, you lazy
0: asshole?" <laughs> Jesus Christ! You know what? Here is what the crazy so thing is: my uh, the guy I learned how to forge my my friend John Ledford was an unbelievable blacksmith. I learned from him, and he it was too much for him the forging, the heavy lifting, everything. And he's really got back into animal rescue, mm. and he's now the he's moved back up to New York. He was down in Alabama for a long time working with dog rescue and bird rescues rescuing falcons and snakes and everything and then now he's the uh, impact director at the, this uh dog rescue in in where i live so i see him all the time and they're taking in these dogs that are like i mean he says it's scary like you got to be on your these are these dogs are in bad shape they've been abandoned they've been tortured they've been you know he's seen the worst of the worst and what he ended up going down he ended up going down south on a rescue of this farm with like there was like 50 or 60 dogs living on this like dilapidated farm. And it it was a really bad situation. And he, he says the most important thing is the fact that when people take care of dogs, they're, they're really, it's so to us, there's nothing better than someone, someone, taking care of dogs and not abandoning them so what's crazy is, is dog people some dog people are i mean i met some of the people who work we work with they're fucking nuts and you know as i as well as i do a lot of animal people only deal better do well with animals as opposed to human beings but the fact that you're like training these dogs and making these dogs what they are one of the things i loved about your just going to your website you were talking about that you're training dogs not just to be gun dogs but to be home dogs like happy, yeah. your, your, your whole thing is I'm training dogs to be happy, healthy parts of the family.
1: Yep. And on the, uh, like with sounds and things like what we're talking about with fireworks and stuff, part of that puppy process, uh, since we've had a few, a bunch of puppies come through now, um, part of that puppy process, they're going to think this is crazy, but when they're sleeping in their kennel, I'll play, I'll put on the show Gunsmoke on, <laughs> on
0: replay. Oh, that's funny.
1: You know, you hear different voices yeah. talking, voices they don't know about. So they're sleeping in their kennel. They're they're safe. They're doing their own thing. There's gunfire. There's yelling. All kinds of stuff, right, in inside gun smoke. Um, so that's part of the puppy thing. Huh. And then and then I bring the dogs in the shop with me and close the door while I'm running the power hammer. Huh. And you you know how loud that is, huh. and the percussion, percussion off that. Yep. You can feel it in your chest, just like a firework. So I'll bring them in there and have their bed in there and they'll be in there in the shop with me while I work and just learning to be calm, stay, you know, go to sleep, hang out. And at first they're going to be walking around. They're going to be super interested, maybe a little scared as puppies, but man, it's just part of socialization. And they just become just outstanding dogs that like have a lot of confidence aren't scared of things they're generally happy with people you know they they get introduced to all these people who come for the knife classes and and just to, who are around the farm every day and that is like the main thing because the people who are going to hunt there's only 60 days a year maybe 90 of duck hunting you've got a pet for 300 days out of the year you need okay. him to be a good you know part of society yeah and that is super important to me and and training that in
0: uh, one of the things i was thinking about this morning is the fact that i th- feel as though like one of my dogs one of my dogs or oh, both of my dogs have bonded to me to a certain degree and the 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 smaller one who is like got is, is awesome dog she is ba- ba- she's at my you know i she's at my my heel she's un- unbelievable and i feel i feel as though you, in order to really train a dog and especially at the level that you're training and not only that, you're not training a dog for you. You're training the dog for somebody else. Yeah. You've, I feel as though you have to have a real strong confidence with that dog in order to that there to be a bond. Is that right? Oh yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I just had, so Pepper, who we've already mentioned a couple times today, Pepper went to live with her new owner a couple of weeks ago in Virginia beach. And when he was here, we he stayed for two days, and we just worked with Pepper for two days together, showing him what she knows, showing him everything. And he she kept bringing the dummy back to me, and right. wouldn't right. bring it back to him, obviously. But as soon as that handoff happens and that transition happens, um, I told him, I said, I I wouldn't throw her any bumper. I wouldn't do any training with her for a while. Just have her in the house, man. Just enjoy. Just enjoy her as a dog. Take her for walks spoil her like I never spoil her, you know, like I don't give them pup cups or, um, I don't give them treats all the time. Only when training, I'm like, spoiler. And he said, I think he texted me three days, two or three days later. And he was like, yep, she's on it. Like we're, we're good to go. She's my dog. She already knows. I, I just think, and that's how the, all those rescue dogs are so successful too. And I swear to God, I would be the most famous dog trainer in the world. If I could rescue lab mixes or labs, and turn them into hunting dogs. Man, my YouTube would be huge. I just yeah. don't think I'm that good of a trainer to do it, what, so it, I haven't tried it, it.
0: Is it just labs? or What is it about a Labrador that makes it? Because, I mean, obviously at Northeast, everyone wants a lab. I mean, I come from a family where we we get mutts, you know. Yep. i got no problem with that. What is it about a lab that makes a lab so desirable?
1: The, there's just this... Um, You just don't hear about purebred labs biting people very much. They're just such loving Hmm. dogs in general. They just want to please their human. They want to please humans. They're there to be your buddy, and they want to please so much, right? So the big thing and what I'm focusing on in British labs, they've been breeding Labradors since the early 1800s for a specific person. And I heard it put best by um, somebody in a different podcast. I think it was David Latham, maybe. He said, we we raise dogs that will go out into the field and hunt as hard and hunt like hell in the beginning of the day. And then they'll sit at your foot in the pub at night. Just huh. sit down or lay at your feet in the pub at night. So they're breeding specifically for those that calm trait in the house. Calm trait. Don't chew anything. Don't do stuff. And then in the field, they'll have some fire. So let's just say you have 100% calm dog in the house. And let's say out in the field, maybe that dog is 70 or 80% fire. Americans, because we want everything fast, harder, bigger, fat, everything, yeah. we have bred dogs for the last 100 years to be 110% fire in the field. And then if they turn out to be a house dog when they're six years old, great. And these are just generalities, by the way. This isn't right. for every dog, of course. So they think, I'm going to breed a dog with fire, and I'll train in the the stop. I'll train in the calmness. I'll train in that. Well, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. The British dogs, I'm going to breed in the calmness, the family pet, and I will coax that dog to be the hunting dog that I want it to be. I will get down in there and let them show let them show it how fun it is. So I think British dogs bring birds back to you because you want them to. I think American dogs bring birds back to you because they want to.
0: Huh. Wow. So Red is your main guy. Red's the dude. And Red's the dude. So what is the game plan in this the the cuz right now you I don't you don't have pepper anymore you have pearl and tannis and red yes What and I is... Have
1: a, and I have a black female named sky that I bought and she's still in Ireland I'm keeping her in Ireland
0: whoa how yeah. so how are you going to how are you going to bring her over
1: so there's a woman over? that I have met through uh there's a woman named Denise over there that I've met through Instagram and doing other I've bought two puppies from her and brought them over here Um, We've become friends, and she has a kennel with probably 10 Labradors in it, and an opportunity to purchase a very, very special Irish lab, black lab, came up, and I just couldn't say no to this dog, but I didn't have the money to bring her over. It's about two grand to bring her over. I had the money to buy the dog, but not bring her over, and so I bought the dog, and Denise said, I'll keep her, train her, and we're going to breed her coming up here. She's already mostly trained um we're gonna breed her coming up here with a big time field trial champion dog over there and then i'm gonna bring puppies over for ourselves and for customers
0: jeez this just seems like it's it's it's, this is all very interesting because i wonder how many dogs what's your plan on how many dogs you plan on having at a time and then how long do you have them before the customer gets them the, fi-
1: the five year business plan, the five year outlook is a nice kennel with ten um ten runs, ten kennels. So it'll be an inside kennel. I'm gonna build a building. They will have inside areas that's heated and cooled. Um it's gonna be very nice, very clean, and then there'll be an outside run area that they can go into anytime they want also and run. Um and so the goal is 10. I would like to have six to eight female dogs that I trained for the most part, or if they come pre-trained, it better be a really high level. Um, and those will be our females that we'll breed to and hunt with. And um, you, you, I'm, the ethical thing is to probably only breed those females three times, maybe four. And that means that dog is done breeding at six years old. That dog Hmm. still has half its life left and it's already a trained hunting dog. So the plan with those females is to give them away to my friends and family after they've had, they've done a great job. They've had the pups that we needed. Um, and I'm just going to give them away to hunting friends, guides, that kind of idea. Like no fee, it's already a trained dog. Here you go. And just love, just love on it and have fun for the next six years of that dog's life. Uh, and then the puppies, they'll they stay until they're 6 to 8 weeks old usually in there and then they'll go home to their new families and we do a bun- we'll do a bunch of puppy stuff this is coming up next year with some of our dogs um we'll be, we'll be having puppies next year and so they'll go home to their new families at 6 or 7 8 weeks old and then hopefully some of them will come back to me for training after that dog's done teething and that could be anywhere from 6 to 8 months when they're done teething because you find that when they're trying to hold those bumpers and things in their mouth, it kind of hurts when they're teething. So I want them out of teething and then I'll train a couple for some people. And then my plan is to hold back a couple of dogs out of every litter and train them up and then sell them as a started dog. So basically you get a one-year-old dog that is ready to go. You could take it hunting that day with you. Um, It's very much a rescue type situation where you're now bonding with a grown dog, Uh, you know, but I, it works and they're so dang lovable. It's, I really don't think it's a problem. Some people don't like that, but you get a finished in a package, here you go, dog. You don't have to deal with it pissing on the carpet when you're body training. Do you know what I mean? All that kind yeah, of puppy yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I've already done it. It's, it's ready to roll.
0: But, and, and there's a huge demand in the hunting community, right?
1: Huge, huge. I posted Pepper uh, once and she sold immediately. Um, and the, our started dogs are six thousand dollars. So you're paying six grand for a fully trained, ready to go hunting um, dog. Which the puppies are—I told you—anywhere from fifteen hundred to twenty-five hundred dollars. Some like some yeah. people even charge three thousand for these puppies. Um, so you've got that. I've got that into that dog because I bought the dog. It wasn't right, and my
0: chain Right. And you're tra- 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 your training and the and the take care and everything. It's a lot of time.
1: For a year. So it's really a better, it, honestly, it's a better deal to just buy the started dog because most trainers are going to charge you 650 to $900 a month to train your dog. So if oh you buy God. the pup, yeah, that's what training is. That's what hunting dog training costs. Uh, obedience training is dang close to that too. It really is. Like send your dog off for obedience training. It's very close to that pricing. So you're looking at a $2,000 puppy and then six months worth of Anywhere from seven fifty to a thousand dollars a month, you're you're right there. You're at six grand easy. You know, that's like the cheapest part of the whole thing.
0: So how are you you obviously, I mean, let's just be clear, you're gonna phase out the farm and the knife making. I mean, this is just the I mean, it just seems like you're happy doing this.
1: Yeah, right? But yeah, I am. You're exactly right. And the farm is like I said, is already phasing out slightly. Like yeah. we've torn out some grape vines. Um, we've shrunk, shrunk the, uh, sheep flock down a little bit and we are pushing more into this cause it's extremely fulfilling and super yeah. fun knife making. I don't know if you've experienced this or not, but the summer is always a lull anyway, but man, I could use another COVID because the knife making demand has dropped off bro, precipitously. Bro. And the, the, the custom orders that I do are still very much filled. We have a three-year wait list. It's, it's fine. Um, the custom orders are fine. It's that monthly newsletter sale. I still have five to 6,000 people looking at that email when it comes out the first Wednesday of every month. But I may only get 60 emails for those 10 or 15 knives now. It used to be 200 emails for those 10 to 15 knives. And so I've got the same amount of people putting eyes on them, but less people actually buying. It's very strange. So I don't know if it's just this summer lull and we're going to pick back up coming into holiday season where people are buying for gifts, but there's something going on. And so as that seems to be changing, I'm also going to be changing.
0: Right. Uh, It's not just you, by the way. Uh, I, I mean, I talked to Tomer Botner you know, every other day, and it's the weird thing is, is we're almost on the exact same. He and I are almost on the exact same schedule in terms of like our months to month and when we're up and when we're down. And as you're 100 percent right, COVID was COVID was good for biz. P.S. You know, yeah. anything yeah, you can yeah, stick huge. in a box and put anything you can stick in a box <laughs> and sit it in the mail is unbelievable. That's right. But it, it's definitely something is definitely it's definitely a lull. I can I mean I feel it, and and um, but at the same time. It just seems as though you're you're far more, you're far more, I can tell that you're really enjoying dealing with these dogs.
1: Oh, totally. And I, I think I was like this with knife making. This is 10, 10 years now. I don't, you've got to be getting close to that too, aren't you?
0: Like eight-ish. But I mean, I okay. was black, I was forging like 15 years ago. Yeah, So it exactly. was like I was doing metalwork, you know, almost 25 years I've been doing metalwork. So right. it's not all the same. So,
1: so I'm ten you know I'm 10 in now, and the the everyday grind of going in the shop and making the knife or whatever is more doldrum now. The, right. the knife classes that we do are still the highlight of my month. like they are so fun. The people I meet, the the great people that come here and make a knife, I love that interaction, and I love that whole component, and that is not going away. That is still we're booked for another year and a half on knife classes. Wow still. So we do two a month and they're already booked out for another year and a half. Like that is still very much my business. And I love doing that. Um, it's just the individual knives, making them for the newsletter, making stuff that I want to make. It's harder to do. Cause I want to do things that take a lot more time. And I kind of have a pricing threshold, a pricing roof that if I punch through that, that knife may not sell, you know?
0: Right right well that's um, what we're a starting to act. that's what we're starting to kind of fool around with only because you know I have employees now and we're we're, we're we have bills and where there's you know there's it's it's it, there's definitely a threshold and we're trying to deal with it I just PS I have one of your knives in um, I have one of your knives I got off the secondary market it's unbelievable it oh, really is yeah. i mean it is a special it is a special knife to the point where i have it wrapped up and i won't even use it because <laughs> it's just I, carbon steel and me are not the best of friends but it is really like it's a dynamite knife and your i every time i look at i'm trying to look at Eh, let me see my let me see bevels and let me look at the angles and let me look at uh, uh you know all the geometry i always grab your knife and kind of just look down the barrel and i'm just like how the fuck does he get such how does he do this because it is, you really are an extraordinarily good bladesmith
1: oh thank you very much i appreciate that man i really do especially coming from you i mean you're you're very much hack. more yeah, yeah yeah you are um but you're very <laughs> much you very <laughs> I'm a much i You're more artistic than me. So if I'm all processes, um, you have had to learn to be all processes, right? Because you're more or less less throw paint on a can, you know, like you, I know you have your processes. I'm not trying to slight you in that. No, that's fine. I'm saying you're very much more creative and artistic than I am. So I could see you sitting in your shop, making something absolutely incredible that you'll never be able to sell because it's taken so much time. so much time and so much energy and money that goes into it. I'm not like that, man. I'm, I'm process, process, and I just make stuff, so... To say that for you to say that you liked what I did is very, very high praise to me, and I really appreciate it. Well, it's,
0: I mean, it is. I mean, it is in terms of the geometry, it's like a razor blade. And I'm, and part of me is just like, I need to kind of know how you did it because you, the spine's nice and thick, but the geometry is dynamite, and it's just like, I, it baffles me a lot of it. But just in terms of, you know, the interesting thing about the creative process is because my father was a painter and a graphic designer, and he was so against me being an artist. Once I got out of college and I started getting all these jobs as artist assistants and I finally got my shop, I kind of had to convince people that I was serious Mm. because you, you get this idea of what a painter is or an artist is. And people just think you're just sitting around in a beret slapping paint around like, you know, Jackson (laughs) Pollock, you know? And it's just like, it's, I, I, it's true. And so what I had to do was I had to make going to the shop a business. So Mm. I was at my shop and you're talking 1996. I was at the shop at, you know, eight in the morning and I was there till five at night and I wasn't there to play and I wasn't, you know, maybe sometimes we'd have to do some projects to get the shop in order, but I was there to work and I kept it, I was very, very disciplined because I also wanted my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, to not think I was a complete asshole. And I wanted my father not to think I was a complete asshole. And I wanted to be able to have a degree of I I felt like the best thing that ever happened to me artistically was having discipline. Mm. So I identify with your process because everything in this shop is very process oriented, down to the podcast. Like, I'm every, I'm the best thing I learned later in life was the more prepared you are the better you do every single time. And it came from blacksmithing because you have to be super organized in order to be efficient with the heat and be efficient with what you want and make sure you don't take out too much carbon and you get it right the first time. It, the, discipline of, the discipline allows you to be more creative and also to be efficient. And I've, I'm like you, man. Everything to me is a process. To, every single day at the shop, I have to know not only what I'm doing, But I have to know what my guy's doing, and I have to prepare for an intern that's coming on Wednesday. So I have to know what they're doing for the whole day. So I have to—process is the best. I mean, and and a lot of knife makers, they don't want it. They don't want to—they don't want—they like the Peter Pan syndrome, I call it.
1: That's right. And you're very lucky then because you have the, you understand you're the best of both worlds, man.
0: Like, I did it a spite, Jared. Yeah. I did it a spite. People say that you can't do it. You will never be able to, it'll never work. And it's working. I mean, it's like, you know, it's not easy, but at the same time, I have. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be 50 in a in a couple months, and I've never felt better in my life in regards to who I am, the decisions that I made, and the satisfaction I get daily from not only this but my family. And you know, look, you and I we got we got we got a good life.
1: God, I can't believe you're
0: gonna be 50 soon. That's insane. Yeah. it's insane. That's insane. It's insane. <laughs> my what? My poor wife and I. We she and I are a month apart. She's and we're a saying, saint. She's a saint. She's actually, besides the fact that she's got to deal with me, she is a she is a saint. A literal she, what saint. What she deals with, what <laughs> yeah. she deals with in the world, what she deals with in healthcare, it's like it is. She, if they don't have a seat for her in heaven, ain't no heaven because it's like I mean it's ridiculous <laughs> what she's done in the world, you know. And and we talk about what we're gonna do when we turn fifty, and we don't want presents. And I got a friend who wants a, wants a. We don't want a party. I'm not interested. We just wanna. We're gonna get our kid off to college, and then we want to go to a beach. We're going to have our birthday together on a beach with a drink. And Beautiful. that's it. That's all we want. That's all we want to do. That's all you we want to do. You
1: should run for office once <sighs> you turn 50, you know? Now that you're- all like you. Um, Are you still the mayor? Yes. I just got reelected this past Look cycle. At you. I know. You don't
0: have enough to do in your life.
1: The easiest way to get elected in a political race is to not have anybody opposing you.
0: Well, That's the who, simplest way to do run, it. Who would run against you? You're very no organized.
1: One. No one because the job is horrible. Hor- the job is I I so I've got some initiatives that I'm completing in this next 4 years and I am done. I will walk away very happy. We got internet, right? That's how that, I'm talking to you now.
0: We thank God.
1: Internet. Thank God. And I need to do something with the cemetery. The city owns a cemetery that is only maintained by donations. It's a complete mess. Has been. They're burying people on top of each other.
0: Oh,
1: my God. Um, oh, it's a, I cannot tell you it's a mess. Nothing's marked correctly. We've been working through it for two years now. I need to put it into a nonprofit, like a 501c13, specifically for um, cemeteries, and create a board of trustees or whatever for it and let it go. Just walk away from it. Because we had... We had... <laughs> we had... Someone down at the cemetery last week handwrite signs on the back of Coca-Cola boxes that they'd ripped up and used electrical tape and taped it to the fence of, uh, the, fence of the cemetery. And the sign said, my father lost his cell phone down here. If you've, It's very important to him. If you find it, call these two numbers. And there was two numbers listed, local numbers. And a woman called the numbers without finding the cell phone woman from town walked down to the cemetery and called the numbers why would you call the numbers when you don't have the cell phone i don't know some <laughs> uh, someone came out of came ripping out of the cornfield next to the cemetery in a red truck and she says tried to run her over so she calls me for some reason i'm the mayor not the freaking constable or the police chief i don't know she calls me tells me all of this i'm like uh okay This doesn't sound like anything bad. Like, uh, I'm just, she cries wolf all the time anyway. I kind of blow it off. In the meantime, it makes it around town. One of our close friends starts calling people, telling them that there are signs down at the cemetery. Watch your kids because there are now child traffickers in Lafayette, Kentucky. And if your kid goes down to the cemetery, they will snatch your kid. I said, how did we, how did we get from A to B here? How, How did this happen? And I still don't know exactly the answer that, that how this happened. So I went down to the cemetery to look for the damn cell phone. That's what the sign was about. And we have a Mexican crew they're, they're three Mexican guys and their kids that um, are are here on work visas that cut the cemetery for us. We pay them very well and they cut the cemetery grass and maintain it for us. I figured it was one of them lost their cell phone and the kid wrote the sign for them. Because it was broken English. I'm thinking this is not a big deal. I go down to the cemetery to look for the cell phone for this poor guy. As I'm driving to the cemetery, a gray truck I've never seen before pulls out of one of the parking lots in town and follows me to the cemetery. I pull in. What
0: the fuck is going on?
1: I pull in and um, I pull into like a circle drive outside the cemetery and stop. He goes into the cemetery I back, older gentleman, white hair, I back up, and I park in in the driveway of the cemetery. Um, we're in the south. I'm armed and safe. I'm fine. I'm not worried about this guy at all, but I just wanted to make sure. I get out and start walking toward his truck. He pulls down to the end of the cemetery. Um, I get distracted because there's a grave that was just dug and someone was buried that I didn't know was buried there, so I got distracted reading who it was and trying to figure out how the hell they got there. And in the meantime, he pulls through the cemetery, through the headstones, and over bodies, and zips out of the cemetery behind my truck. The gap barely fit his truck behind my truck for him to get out the gate. Zips he knocked, out over, he knocked
0: over headstones?
1: Damn near. He drove right through them. Like, drove right through the middle of the cemetery to get away without having seen me or said anything. So... Are there child traffickers in Lafayette, Kentucky? I don't think so. But something was a bit strange about that whole situation.
0: What is going on in your town, Mayor?
1: I don't know. But you know what the easiest answer was? Take down the signs. So I just ripped the signs down, put them in my truck, and nothing's happened
0: since. <laughs> Maybe you need like a trail cam.
1: Yeah. So what? we've in the meantime, we've put up cameras at City Hall. We have um license plate cameras, do you have those where um a, it's called a flock system? It scans everybody's license plate coming in and out of town and that way the police, if they have a stolen vehicle, they can plug it in and it'll show you when it went through that intersection. We have those in town now. We're a very safe little town at the end of the road. Yeah. Um but apparently we had some sort of, you know, um person trafficking in Lafayette recently
0: that's fucking weird of all I mean I don't know anything about it but it's just like these are the things see I remember when you were originally running I had you on here before you were run, when you started running and I said I don't know why you'd want to go through all this Ugh. because it just seems like as I know in our town recently we had a real Bad problem, and the you know the mayor, the mayors in the in the in the in our town council. I don't necessarily think that they were prepared for the outpouring of craziness that there was. And I always think to myself, why would Jared put him through this? Put himself through whatever you're going to have to deal with, because obviously there's going to be some sort of natural disaster something's going to happen and then they're going to we're going to see you on the on the tv standing in front of a of a i can see you in a podium with the town crest in a cornfield and you're standing there with your (laughs) tdf kennels hat on trying to and you're and you're like when you're and you're you're in your wax jacket and your wellington boots trying to explain what the hell's going on why would you want to put yourself through this i should have why do you I just don't know why you'd want to put you, I mean, in my mind, I'm about 50. The thought of doing anything more than I'm doing is just like completely out out of, there's no way, can't do it. When we got internet brought down here, um,
1: they all told me on the city council, they'll never bring internet down, no one will do it, nobody cares, whatever. So I thought, I'll just start with the power company. Usually fiber internet runs with power lines, right? So I called our local power company and... The representative I talked to said, that sounds great. Let me talk to the CEO of the power company and I'll call you back. So the CEO calls me back and he says, "Uh, can you come in for a meeting next week? I said, yes, sir. Absolutely. So I went to the meeting. It was just he and I in his office and we discussed and he said, look, it's going to cost me $7 million, $8 million to bring internet down to you. Can you just pay for your city's build out? And I said, well, shoot, how much is it? And he said, $163,000. I said, yes, we can. I will get it through city council some way or another. We will we can pay for that. And he said, okay, go talk to city council and come back. So they voted it down in city council because uh, one of the old ladies on city council was very worried about kids not going outside anymore and just being on their iPads if we bring I'll the internet so. down. Yeah. And so I ended up getting her vote by telling her that her phone actually would connect to internet and her Facebook would process a lot faster if she had internet in her home. And I know she's on Facebook all the time because she was on Facebook during the meeting. Her little icon was <laughs> lit up green during the meeting. And so she she finally voted yes. That's pathetic. And we got it done. So I called him and said, we're good to go. And he said, can you come in for a meeting next week? I said, Absolutely. So I showed up in frickin' knife-making gear. I've got my yeah. Fader Knives hat on, glasses, yeah, yeah. shorts with boots on, and it's a uh board meeting of Penny Ryle Electric Company, which services eight or nine counties. It's a frickin' board meeting. I'm talking suit and tie, <laughs> dressed up. And I walk <laughs> in there like a damn schlub. Get a redneck. And they put yeah, and they put me up front. They're like, "Oh, we've saved a seat for you at the head of the conference table." There's twelve oh, people gosh. in here, and I'm at the head, and the CEO's at the other head. And I'm like, uh, They're like, "Jared Thatcher, please introduce yourself." I stand up, and I'm like, "I I apologize very much. I did not realize this was a board meeting. I thought just myself and Mr. Gates were meeting. I did not. Re- I'm very sorry." And they just all bust up laughing, like I was, you know, some redneck hillbilly out of who knows where.
0: Yeah, knife making, gun, uh, knife making, dog trainer. Yeah. <laughs> who's the Who's the <laughs> Jared? You are. The, I. You know what? I. I'm very. You are a very impressive person because not only do you have to deal with, you know, deal with, but you're raising a family. You have this wonderful wife. You have uh, great kids, and you're dealing with all the the farm, and then the knife making, and then the dogs, and then I just don't know how you have time for. We have friends who are on the the school board in, in our town. And it's what they have to deal with. I'm, I just look at her like, she says, well, maybe you'd like to join the board. I'm like, you're out of your mind. I said, don't ask me again. No. Like, lose my phone number. There's just no way. There's just no way. School board is for crazy
1: people. I will not get involved. I, I actually put my name in for the school board this past election and pulled it. Like, probably two weeks before the election, I called them back and pulled it out. I said, no, I'm not doing this. I cannot deal with these people. It's insane.
0: I was actually, the only time I was ever... Uh, almost uh, any type of position was th- when I moved to this town. I they, there was an art um, like an artist guild, and they were they were older artists and just like real honestly like I I, ha- I made some crass jokes about them in general in, in general the type of people that they were, and then they wouldn't let me in for some reason or whatever. And then I was like, well, fuck you. I'll do my own show. And I did it. I did a, the best show that the town had ever had in this theater. And I got all my friends who were not members of this group. And then the city used the, the show in there in a bid to make money for, you know, to raise money and stuff like that. So I got a friend of mine who was the president of this arts organization says, Jeff, I will we we want to nominate you to be the president here because obviously you know what you're doing. And, and I said, well, You know, flattery gets you everywhere with me, honestly. (laughs) You know, like, that was enough for me to be like, let me come down and look at one of these meetings. You know, like, let me... And I'm walking in, like, the fucking... The, the the king of persia waiting to see my minions waiting to see the my acolytes and they they finally they're anointing me and I'm just going in there and they are a bunch of just the schlubs i knew they were i listened to one meeting they nominated me i listened to one meeting and i heard the gripes and the complaints and the artists all these artists wanted everybody to do something for them and what are you going to do about this what are you going to do about this and i re- that meeting i relinquished my nomination i said you're on your own but i can't i can't do with these people i Literally, it was like they were. It was going to be this. I mean, I was going to be voted on that night, and I was just like, I went to one meeting. I'm like, I can't. I can't with these people. I got I got a life to lead. This for is, as much impossible.
1: For, for as much bitching and complaining that the people around town do, they don't actually show up to meetings. So it's never really in person. It's very much through other people or like you know, these hazy Facebook comments or posts right. that are, that you have to read into, or they'll send you a Facebook message or whatnot. And that's really how they want to do it because they don't want you to actually, they don't want to talk face to face with you. Um, and that is how I have basically quelled a bunch of problems. Is just showing up with, there's only 150 people in town. Like you can't escape me. I'm here. Right. In fact I, I own the most. I own the most I, land in town. You know what that I mean? Should like, be, you can't, that
0: should be your. That should be on your billboard. Jared Thatcher for mayor. You can't escape me. You can't escape me. I will. <laughs> you can't escape me. This woman. This woman me, This woman texted me and said, "There's
1: kids playing in the street outside my house." And I said, "Okay." That's all I wrote. Okay. And she said, "You need to do something." I said, "No, I don't." That has nothing to do with me. The kids are playing in the street outside the house. It has nothing to do with me. She called me. I was in the shop, mask on, could not answer. She called me and left me a voice message seven minutes long. And she oh said my God. she said, You're you're not shit. Jared, you're not shit. This town ain't shit. I was here before this town did anything. You act like you're so high and mighty, blah, blah, blah. I pulled my I pulled my mask off, listened to the message. I said, Hell no. I jumped in my truck. She only lives six houses over. I drove my truck. <laughs> she was pulling out of her driveway. I parked my truck right in the middle of her driveway. I got out and I said, "Oh, hello." I think her name was Helen. She's since moved. <laughs> um, I said, "Hello, Helen." And uh, she was like, "Oh." Uh, uh, and I said, "I'm sorry. Did you have something you wanted to say to me? I know I missed your call earlier. Did you did you want to tell oh, me that's something the move?" And she was like. Oh no, I just um I just I didn't have anything. There was just some kids playing in the street that I was worried about. I didn't I didn't really oh. have anything. And I said, that's not what you said in your message. You said oh. you said I'm not shit and you said the town's not shit. Now, I've never seen you at one of our city council meetings. I've never seen you do anything for the community. Did you did you have something you wanted to tell me in person? Did you have something you wanted to say? She said no, 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 absolutely not, absolutely not. I'm, you're doing a great job, and thank you so much. I said, what? Her husband comes storming out, no shirt, boxers on. Big boy, <laughs> big boy, okay, big boy. Comes storming out. He's got one eye looking at me, and his left eye is looking somewhere to his left. It's oh. This is how this guy looks. He runs it. up to me, puts a finger in my chest, and he's like... You don't come into my driveway. Get the f out of here! But he's getting up. His wife steps in between us and defends me. She says, "He's doing a great job. He's our mayor. You won't treat him like that. You don't talk to him like that." And I'm thinking, "What the fuck just happened here? <laughs> how did, how did the woman? What kind of bipolar?" How- how did this woman rip me to shreds on a on a, on a, that's a phone unbelievable. message, and then defend me to her husband? And I said, "That's literally how it ended." I left while they were arguing with each other. I said, "All right, y'all have a good day. Let me know if you need anything." And I got in the truck and drove back home, six houses
0: down. This is like a TV show, isn't it? I think they've done this TV show before. It's, oh, I mean, it's I, insane. But I mean, yeah, you obviously like it. Yeah, you, you like being you. helpful you can't escape me. That you is unbelievable. That is literally the hilarious. Jared Thatcher for mayor, you can't escape me. That's, I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, so, I mean, do you deal with like the, do you deal with the, do you go to like graduation ceremonies and just do, do all that? As our mayor's got to go at all the graduation ceremonies and all the police we, things and you have to do all that. We
1: don't have any schools. So I do okay. attend, I do attend the county sheriff meetings. We have an all, so we have a county judge who's basically a county mayor and then each little city within the county also has mayors so there's uh five mayors of little cities and then our county mayor and we have an all mayors meeting uh, once a quarter, and then there's just some other stuff in town that I'll attend, you know, development board type things, I'll attend those things. The weirdest thing I got invited to was on Fort Campbell, because my backyard backs up to Fort Campbell. It's 100,000 acres of 30,000 troops of United States Army soldiers. And so my backyard backs up to it. And I got invited to a meeting that was called a joint-use land meeting. And I thinking, okay, where we're using the land together, this is joint use. Right. This makes sense. So I go to this meeting, and there's a big U shape. Um, there's a big U shaped t- table there, and I go and sit in the back with all these other people that I know or whatever. And the 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 major general of the base stands up and says, "Is Mayor Thatcher here?" And I said, "Uh, yes." I stood up, yes, sir. And he said, "Will you please take your." seat at the table and I said uh, up there? They have a damn name tag. A permanent name tag. I'm on Fort Campbell. I don't know how this got here. They have a permanent name tag on my spot for me. I'm like, uh, I don't belong here. I walk up and sit down and I'm sitting in between a major general and his um, I don't know, master somebody sitting next to me and I'm thinking, I do not belong here. The (laughs) mayor of Nashville is sitting across from me. Like real cities, you know? And at least I'm not dressed like a schlub this time. I did wear a yeah. polo. I wore a polo at least. Nice. Um, nice, so nice. I'm, I'm looking good. And they go around the room. They say, please introduce yourselves. We haven't had a joint use land meeting like this in a while. Please introduce yourselves. And, and I stood up and did what I do best. I said, I got lost on the backside of Fort Campbell while driving. And I ended up at this meeting somehow. I'm not really sure why <laughs> I'm here, but I appreciate the seat and the name tag. And everybody just kind of laughed and clapped and were like, we're glad you're here. And basically, the whole meeting was Fort Campbell telling us that they're going to extend their runways and they're taking land from the county and from the cities and we don't have a choice about it. And I said, okay, that was all you had to say. I'm good with this meeting. Thank you, sir. Ma'am, goodbye. And left. That was the weirdest <laughs> meeting.
0: Well, that, well, that, do you have to like go back to your town council and tell them what happened or you have to, I mean, I mean it's just to, the way it is.
1: I told them the story just like I told you.
0: <laughs> and they're like, the okay, whole, well, that's the end of it. Yeah,
1: that's the end of it. We don't really have a choice. They, they're, they're extending it and, and, um, and now you can't build anything in this area. That's it. So, um, I don't know. I, I don't, So I, I shouldn't have been at the meeting. <laughs> how
0: many, how many more years do you have being the mayor?
1: Uh, Three and a half.
0: Oh my God! It's going to be a long three and a half years, dude.
1: I just got to get the cemetery done, and then these people will be set up. We're working on a standard operating procedures book so that you can sit in any of the seats on the city council and know what you're doing. Trying to set it up to make it simple for somebody else to run.
0: How many do you get calls in like weird times to do mayor stuff? All the time, uh, and people
1: oh. drop. People drop by my house. People dropped by my house two days ago. A county um, circuit judge—I don't even know what the hell that is. A county circuit judge just <laughs> drove—I was having breakfast down the street and drove in and was like, is this a mayor's house? I'm like, uh, yes, sir.
0: Oh, God.
1: Yeah. A- and you know what he wanted? He wanted to try our grapes. <laughs> like, what, what the, the f- heck? Oh, what no, are you just, doing? Just pull into people's houses. Like, we have internet now.
0: We have a phone. You could call, send an email. Right? I don't know. I— the thought of pe- i hate when the phone rings the thought of people stopping by is like my worst nightmare on any given no, my day worst nightmare.
1: on any given day at least 3 people probably stop by 3 individual people stop by here any given day oh my easy God. yeah
0: the easy. mayor the I mayor oh well, listen, it couldn't be, I mean, you couldn't have a better person involved. I mean, you're obviously very well, you know, you're very organized. So I would imagine that all the the things that you did to get yourself squared away with uh, TDF kennels and Blue Boot Hill Blades and Boot Hill Kitchen and Three Daughters Farm, you're just kind of like transmitting that over into the mayor's office and it's not as overwhelming as I would think.
1: Just like on... Uh, just like in my town is the same as my social media. You can't escape me, Jeff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, let's, I want to know more about, let's go back to the dogs for a second. Okay. So are you going to start to, are, will you, cause I know you worked with like a, are you working with a breeding company to help you. I don't know how the breeding works. Like you have red, and you, you had red off to stud. How does it all work? You, and how do you figure out who to match red up with? Mm.
1: So I, if if somebody has a female dog um, that they want to have a litter and they want to breed it with red, usually they'll just reach out to us through Facebook or or um, our email. And so we've got th- we have had three people do that so far. They've just seen him on social media. I try to show all sides of him. You're not going to know exactly who he is right up front, but I try to show him as much as you can and his drive and just how good he is and how crazy he is um, out on birds and whatnot. And so they reach out and I require them to have all the health testing done. They need to have hips and elbows done. They need to have the genetic health testing done so that so that they're not, and Red has all that done too, so that they're not passing down, we're not passing on bad genes to puppies. I want these puppies to be totally healthy. Even though they won't be mine, they'll be that person's. There makes no sense for me to allow somebody to breed to my dog that's not going to produce top-notch puppies. Right. So they'll get all that squared away, and then usually they bring the female to the male. So he's comfortable because he's kind of got the, with, with the way it works, he's kind of got the bigger job. Like if Red's, Red was very nervous his first time as we all were. Um, but he was very nervous and, uh, he wouldn't stop looking at me to get the job done. And I ended up having to leave so that he would do what he needs to do. So they'll bring him here and then you'll breed, um, if you can two or three days in a row or however they want to do it with their female and then they'll take back off. So we have a litter of puppies, his first litter ever that is due in three weeks on August 6th, or less than three weeks now. August 6th will be Ready Boy's first litter of puppies, and instead of taking a stud fee, I get first choice of the puppies. So if a little red female comes out of there, I am taking her home with me.
0: So you're only going to get one of the dogs? Yes. Yep. Wow. So as we go along and as TDF Kennels grows— it seems as though you have to plan all this shit out. Yeah, totally. What's the So how are you going to kind of implement the TDF kennels breeding program? Would you yeah. call it
1: that? Yep. So I have two females right now, Pearl and Sky, who's obviously in uh, – we talked about this in Ireland still. Um, so my thought, and I, I don't know if this will work or not, but my thought is I know the personalities of these dogs. I'm going to breed the two together that seem – like they're gonna jive correctly. So if I have a crazy dog like Tannis, Tannis is just he's great in that he's my he's an inside dog also. He's he lays around sleeping all day. But he is just so wired out in the field and so bouncy and so athletic. I want to breed him with that high drive craziness to a lower drive, calmer dog. And my hope is I'm gonna get a third of the um a third of the puppies will be like him a third will be like her and a third will be somewhere right in the middle and that's what i'm shooting for that right in the middle that calm dog with high drive so red and pearl are almost the same dog they're they're just great they're just they're almost the same dog behaviorally um uh, all of their attributes are very much very similar so i'll just breed them together and hopefully get the same thing out of those two
0: so, the genetics are really like hmm. is it the genetics are passed on it's temperament temperament like, yeah. I don't know I understand its it. temperament,
1: yes, and I know a guy who thinks that um loud, whiny dogs that bark in the in the duck blind or that are just just loud dogs. I know a guy that thinks that's genetic that 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 is passed down from dog to dog, and so he does not have any dogs that bark in his kennel. Like labs, think about that. Labs that do not bark. I've only heard Tannis bark twice ever. Um, Red barks at every post office man that shows up in the driveway or UPS driver. Uh, Pearl has never barked that I know of. So hmm. I don't know if it's true or not, but yes, you're exactly right. We're breeding temperament I'm trying to put temperaments together that makes sense to make... People say that we're breeding to better the breed, that's bullshit. The breed's already great. The breed is already so freaking good that we're coming up with new tests to challenge these dogs in hunting scenarios and hunt tests. Like, The breed is great. I just want to keep that greatness going and continue to produce something that's interesting that maybe somebody coming to buy a dog from me is just going to use it as a pet. It's going to be a very high quality, like genetically sound, maybe you'll get 17 years out of this lab, whereas... You know, your your cheaper lab that's not genetically tested, maybe hip dysplasia is keeping that dog to five to seven years old. That's all you have with it. I want the old dogs that are going to do good for a long time for a family. And maybe they'll go do scent work, you know, or whatever. They don't have to be hunting dogs. I'm, I want to breed for temperament, like you
0: said. Do you think that you would—I have a friend who is uh, the canine officer in the town we live in. And he has this incredible dog named Charlie. And they. And then there's another police officer with the dog. And then it, we had an amazing story where this is incredible. I love the canine guys here in, in our town are awesome. They have, there's two dogs, there's Bo, Officer Bones and Officer uh, uh, Charlie. <laughs> Bones a bad... This is the story. I get goosebumps when I saw this. So what happened was this guy had uh, who had dementia walked out of his house and... The family didn't know where he went, and it started to get dark out. They couldn't find him. They called the police. They got Officer Bones, and they found this guy in the swamp. He'd he walked into a swamp, wow. like freezing, like freezing. He was in his pajamas and the fucking and i i and i read the story and bones was a hero and the and the his trainer was a hero and i saw them in the when i walk my dog sometimes the canine unit will have be in the park and they'll be you know they got to they got to let the dogs run around a little bit you know they get they're right. constantly training him and i saw doc uh, the the police officer with bones and i got like I got kind of teary a little bit. I was just like, I really appreciate what you did, and you know, you're a really important part of this community, and I'm very honored. And I said, don't look at my dogs. My dogs bullshit compared to (laughs) Bones, you know. And I, I got really emotional about it because he was like, I can't believe it. We're so happy. This is why we're here, and something like this to save this guy. And Bones found the guy in the swamp, and it was really. Do you think that you could ever, would ever do something like that, like training dogs, police dogs, or?
1: I don't know if I have the. Uh, I've got the skills to start it. I don't know if I understand how to finish a dog like that, like take it to the top level. Um, but all of the early work we do with puppies, six-month-old dogs, all that early stuff is exactly what they do as well, like training ability, training drive, um, training scent, doing scent work on how to find stuff. Um, like I, I think most of those, especially those drug dogs, a lot of those are labs cause they use that good nose on them. But yeah, like when little, I've got little pups that are like eight weeks old. When I get little pups that are eight weeks old, I'll sprinkle their kibble into deep grass and I'll tell them hunt dead, hunt dead, hunt dead. Good. And they're, they just jam their nose down into that grass and they're smelling, they're looking. For, so they understand when I say hunt dead, you're looking for something. So it transitions from that to bumpers or dummies to um dead birds to live birds like that's how you progress that up and i know there's something with scent work like that where you're like you start the puppy just like that and you have i saw something on uh, a video the other day where there were these buckets and they were doing putting one drop of some sort of like i don't know crack cocaine diluted something or another in a bucket and then there was a treat in it and it it had to smell that drop to find the treat. And that's how they were getting them to then find that. That's the reward. So I, my dogs could absolutely do it. Like that's what we, you know, that, that knows is why I buy these dogs. Uh, One of the reasons I buy these dogs, that's, they have game finding ability. So yeah, looking for people, looking for stuff. I don't know if I could ever do it, but man, it would be cool because that feels like you're really making a difference. It's nice to deliver. It's nice to deliver a dog to somebody whose dog just passed away, or or somebody who's just looking for you know something. But man, to have to train a dog that finds people or takes drugs off the street or things would be freaking cool.
0: I mean, that would be unbelievable. To yeah. be part of that it would be, I would imagine, it'd be very rewarding. I mean, that the officer who was just like just doing his job, like you could, he he was like he was he's like it's been cra- it's been crazy. He's like the, the 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 articles have been written and the the people thanking us. It's like. There's something about the dog. You know, it's not like the guy, the guy, if the guy followed, you know, if the guy walked down in the swamp by himself and found, no one would say a word. It yep. was the dog found him and everyone was like freaking out about this hero dog. And it was like, we have this connection with animals that is like, there's a purity to it, you know? Even the, even, I mean, some of the, these two German Shepherd's dogs, I mean, they will, they will, I, every time we walk past them and they're barking in the, in the squad cars, I turn to my dogs and I'm like, these dogs will fuck you up so bad, it'll make your head spin. <laughs> this is real dogs. These That's are right. chainsaws in there. There's chainsaws in there. But at the same time, it's like there's, they're finding people. And then, you know, there's something that we have this, this, this very, beautiful. There's a purity to them. And and the fact that we can, they could do something nice. They could do something that we perceive as nice is just like, we are suckers for that. They're just
1: the, they're the best parts of, they're the best parts of people, but they stay that way their whole life. You know what I mean? Like for the most part, yeah, you're going to have your dog that attacks somebody, whatever. But what I mean by that is like, it's, it's your kid who loves you unconditionally. And when you say something mean to your kid or like discipline them, they, it hurts their feelings, you know, but the very next five minutes later, they come right back to you and dogs keep that their whole life. That's what's so cool. You know, to me, like they just, they just don't, they don't hold that grudge. Um, And I think this is just my personal uh, experience. I think female dogs, are so much better than like that my male dogs will hold a grudge if they have a bad training day or i'm really on to them they'll shut down and they'll kind of stay away from me in the house for a couple hours maybe the day or whatever they just go and do their own thing but they're not up on me the female dogs just want to be loved so bad they'll do if they mess up they're they go away for one minute and come right back like hey are we uh are we cool again? You know they're nudging you. They're like, I'll, I'll yeah. try. I'll try again. I'll try again, and that's it. They just want to please. So like when you see a dog do its job, it has no clue. It just did its job, right? It was just doing it because it loves the person that's telling it what to do. That's it.
0: My little terrier when she fucks up and, I, and she you can and I say to her she's fucked up. Her tail goes under and she knows and she walks and her puts her ears down. And she knows that she fucked up. But then a few minutes later she'll just. She'll sidle back up to me. It, there is something very amazing about that. Actually, in terms of training, we we got the big dog first, and for some reason, something happened. Other one thing is is when I used to walk my daughter to the bus stop with the dog, and this kid came up behind her and just grabbed her, and it scared her off of people in the street. And then we would walk her in the park, and next thing you know, the people with their dogs off the leash, they she would, she got attacked by a couple dogs off the leash. So she's like. She's already like damaged from those two things. So mm. when we ended up getting our smaller dog, we thought it was almost like an emotional support dog for the bigger dog, which was the case. <laughs> Every so often, if it's too hot or something's weird or she smells something she doesn't like, she refuses to walk. So it gets to the point where she starts to back up out of her leash to the point where she almost pull, you know, backs out of the, oh. tries to back out of the leash into the street. And I just stop everything. I bring her back in the house. I said, all right, you're not going on this walk. And I'll walk the smaller dog and, and I'll see the big dog will look out the window and watch us walk away. And I can tell she's bummed. But at the same time, it's like, well, th- what do you want me to do? I'm right. not dragging you down the street. But uh, there is this moment of like when like, we come back and it's almost like I'm, she. it's almost as if she says she's sorry. She's not. But it's like, <laughs> there's right. this, there are these interesting, these, I, I'm a terrible dog trainer, Jared. I must say. Every time I watch what you do, I'm like, I could. I am the worst. I am the worst at this. I'm. I'm paying. I'm playing a, a stupid game. My dogs will be will always have a leash, and I am responsible for these dogs, and that's just the end of it.
1: You know, everybody uses, or not everybody. A lot of people use um, those e collars. It's a it's a shock collar, right? It's what right. it is. And they say, well, it's not an electric shock. It's a stimulation. It's whatever. It. The point is it. At its highest setting, it very much inflicts pain. Put it, put one on. Right. Put one on and try it. Um, they very much inflict pain, and that's the whole point. So I have done that, and I have used that on dogs, and I just personally don't like it. Now, right. Do I have that? Does allow you to have full control over a dog at a very far distance. That is something to be spoken for, especially in different situations or or different dogs or whatnot. People in the United States, a lot of times, especially in the hunt test world, they think these British Labradors are soft, that they can't handle pressure. I am not a pressure-free trainer. I am very much a pressure. I put pressure on these dogs every day. What I don't do is inflict pain because... These dogs, them being soft, great. I love a soft dog. You know what that means to me? It means it's biddable. It means I don't have to yell and rant and rave and shock the dog. I can simply say no, and you'll see it in my videos. No, yeah, yeah. No, here. No, nope. And when they're taken off, it's a simple nope, and they're like, oh, crap. They get down on the ground. like It looks like I just beat them, right? But all I said was nope, and then I bring them back here, here, good. Good pet them and then they're they're reset and if I need a hard reset this is literally what I do I open up their kennel door like a little crate I put them in the crate and close the door one minute keep them in there for one minute while I do something else open the crate back up it's like you reset that dog they forget wow. about they forget about you yelling at them they forget about what has just happened I reset them bring them back out to my side okay now we're gonna try this again. And we go again. And I don't have to use a shot collar. And the thing is, you can train faster using one. I'm not about doing things fast. Neither of us are. We do. we You and I do things the long way, the right way when we make knives. The hand sanding way. The forging way. Like we do it the right way. I take all the time I need with the dog. I, there's no need for me to rush. Rushing is what leads to a dog that's going to be unpredictable in, in a certain situation. I don't want that. I want him to be confident, and I want to take my time and spend those little tiny building blocks, and I want to do it all without a shot collar.
0: Jared Thatcher plays the long game, ladies and gentlemen. Always has, always will. You can't avoid him. You can't escape him, frankly. You can't escape him. Jared Thatcher, <laughs> what is next for you? What's next for TDF Kennels? What's next for Boot Hill Blades? I don't know what the hell. Yeah, I got one last question: Did Kylie or your, your wife ever get her finger fixed? No, she's got a broken. Oh god, the finger. She sh- I once saw that broken finger, and I was like, oh god. I, she just walks around with a broken finger all the life, right?
1: The finger is creepy as hell. Still, it's not. Yeah. It's not broken. It's we believe it's a lack of tendon. We think that tendon snapped, and now that finger bends to the left.
0: Yes, it's very. It's strange. horrible. It's, it's horrible. I know. It's horrible. I, she once I saw a picture. And I was like, "What's wrong with your finger?" She goes, "I don't know. I never fixed it." I was like, "Oh God! Like go fix it." Jesus Christ! No, she never fixed it. So it's always going to turn to the left, right?
1: yeah it's always well, going send, to my regards,
0: it. send my regards send my regards send my regards to you your, your wife is very sweet she sent us she sent me some uh those uh, special cookies with the marshmallow filling oh awesome unbelievable yeah. uh old, oh p s cream pies P.S. Last but not least, Boot Hill Kitchens. The sputula is my f- number one. I ended up. I bought them for gifts. I have two of them. One of them. I'm. I'm waiting for the first one to d- d- dissolve into nothing. I love my Boot Hill blade sputula. I use it every night.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I'll tell her you said that all the time. She'll be very all the excited. Time.
0: So what's next for you?
1: Well, um, I currently am digging the new pond, and I'm going to build a new kennel um, probably this fall and then next spring will be a new shop for boot hill blades pretty soon my entire acreage is just going to be covered up by freaking outbuildings i'm pretty sure there's yeah. just, it's just going to be buildings i'm going to have no grass left anymore um so a new kennel i'm building a new shop uh to house the classes and give us a little more room in there but more importantly i'm going to put heat in the concrete uh you know that radiant heat Whoa. to keep it yeah. warm during the winter it's got to happen man it it has to so um So we're doing that and remodeling this 1840s home that we live in, slowly but surely, uh, windows coming in next week, and I hope to um, launch potentially, um, I I would be second fiddle, but some sort of podcast with the dog um, stuff, and we're talking about potentially an app that maybe has some little dog training tips and tricks in it, and uh, not necessarily a full training program, but a place you can go when you have a specific problem that will address that. Hopefully, so we're throwing those things around right now um, with a, a friend of mine that's a videographer and very good tech guy. So that's what I'm working on right now, going into the into the fall.
0: You're gonna kill it with the podcast. You have a you've always had a good podcast voice. You're gonna kill it.
1: I I don't believe you for one
0: second, but I really appreciate tr- you having me on I, yours, <laughs> dude. Listen, I'm telling you, I, there's some people who have a good voice, and you, you're you're very captivating. You're gonna be great. Any <laughs> listen, you. any help you need from me, you know I'm in the tank for Jared Thatcher. Anything you need, anything you need, I am in the tank for you, my friend. Well, I appreciate it. I'm I'm gonna be the second fiddle
1: guy. I'm letting the other guy head 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 things off. So, um. We'll see. I don't he think just... your
0: listeners are going to like to fuck around, though. That's the yeah. problem. I got a feeling that they won't like to. The little dick jokes. Dick jokes work for the maker community, but I don't know if they work with the dog creating community. No, I think you're pr- going to.
1: Probably
0: not. I don't think so. Well, listen, whatever it takes, I'm with you, my man, Jared Thatcher. I'm so glad you got internet. I've been waiting for this day for a long, long time. Thank Jared Thatcher is my friend. Guys, go follow Jared Thatcher. Boot Hill Blades, Three Daughters Farms. Go definitely, definitely follow at tdf kennels it's going to be in the show notes watch red check out pepper pearl tannis all these dogs (laughs) jared is awesome on 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 instagram and it's really i love watching you and seeing your whole family and all the stuff you guys do and i just i'm just grateful that you're my friend jared thatcher thank you so much my brother thank you buddy it's been great Oh man. Anytime you're always you have an open now that you have Wi-Fi, you have an open you have an open invitation.
1: I know. I feel like we should just FaceTime every day because I have Wi-Fi.
0: You can't you can't <laughs> you I'll take your calls. When I, anytime you used to call or I get a text from you, I always pick it up. You do. Some I people like I'm not that. like I'm not like you at the fucking may when when I'm not the mayor, people fucking calling me. I'm I'm avoiding it. But you you call, I pick up. Guys, do you you know what I said? Go check out what Jared's going on. It's all in the show notes. You all know about it. And uh, we'll see you next week, okay? Jared, thank you so much. Thanks, man. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers.